Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. I have a ton to bring up in this episode. I've got some audio to play too. A lot of comments from listeners of the show and viewers of my war videos on BitChute and a number of other things too that I that I want to read through and get to. And I know that there's a lot of debating going on right now about particular meanings behind things and you know everything that happened in Congress this past week and last week rather and what it all means and what's going on and this that and the other and then of course there's a lot of dismissive behavior occurring which I think is very problematic to be honest I think it's disappointing too that individuals will just forget what has existed and not learn from it and not even investigate on their own and, and open their eyes because it's just easier for them to make fun of something than it is to look a little deeper into it, maybe. So I want to bring some of that up too. And again, I have some audio to play regarding the uh, uh, DeMar Hamlin issue, which is interesting. Apparently, he is alive. Apparently, he is breathing on his own, allegedly. And that's a good thing. I'm not uh, not rooting for the guy's death. I'm not a psycho. But I find it very funny, like I said in the last episode, that all of a sudden everybody's just back to the X's and O's. No one seems to care that an individual died right in front of them on the football field for most certainly being jabbed. And again, if he wasn't jabbed, they would have said so right out of the gate. But as we know, again, with the high percentage of individuals in the NFL who are jabbed, the likelihood of him being jabbed is upwards of 90% likely. So again, they can cover this all they want. They can cover it up all they want. That's not going to stop what's continuing to happen all over the place. And I have a number of, again, recent stories regarding that also. And uh, some jab-related things as well, both here and overseas. And then that's the episode. So... Stick with me on this one because I have, a, again, a lot to cover here and a lot to read and some insight into the frames of minds of, of individuals that, again, some would view as being patriots and truth tellers and then others trying to write their own narrative and, and basically change history as much as humanly possible, which is disgusting. But it is unfortunately what happens in moments like this and in times like these, so this is really no different. A um, couple of headlines here very quickly. This, uh, these first two were on Gateway Pundit. DeSantis orders state colleges in Florida to report how much they are spending on diversity, equity, and inclusion. I think this is a good thing. I don't necessarily trust DeSantis on everything, but I think that this is a good move. And if he's making these colleges and universities do a little bit more work, and hopefully K-12 schools as well, then great. I think the opportunity opens itself up for fraud. I mean, if he's requiring these colleges and, and universities to draw up paperwork to basically show everybody how much they're wasting on this nonsense, I, I think that... Uh, they're likely to downplay the amount of money that they're spending on it and the number of people that they're paying to perpetuate these Marxist Bolshevik lies. But at the exact same time, it makes them do more paperwork, which is something that educators hate doing. Which, again, if it's twisting the knife 
as far as they're concerned, then great. Uh, you know, make them make them pay a little bit. But there'd better be some sort of consequence, like getting rid of it, getting rid of these programs and eliminating them permanently. Again, they have academic freedom, but if there's some sort of oh, I don't know, ideological proof that that uh, DeSantis can bring to bear that shows that these individuals or these these colleges and universities rather are breaking the law in some way, then uh, you know I, I think they can fudge the books all they want is ultimately my point. So I, I don't know, unless you make it a state law to get rid of these kinds of programs, I think these kinds of programs are just going to continue to exist. And of course, as we know, they're going to change their name. And they'll change the titles of of these programs and re-implement them under a different name, which is equally as disgusting, but that's how brainwashed these people are. So there was that story. Uh, Hillary Clinton is apparently a uh, Columbia University professor now. God knows why. Assuming she's still alive and this isn't her body double, because she does have a, a very interesting looking body double who does look like her. I've seen pictures of the two of them standing next to each other and, you know, they look similar. Uh, Let's see. What does it say here? It's from The Hill. Columbia World Projects is apparently uh, her title, a fellow at Columbia World Projects. Columbia's commitment to educating the next generation of policy leaders and helping to address some of the world's most pressing challenges resonates personally with me, Clinton said on Twitter sharing the announcement from the university. I can't imagine sitting in a classroom with this monster, if it is in fact her. Uh, I, I know Tucker Carlson covered it. There's audio of it right here. I, it's, it's so unbelievable, I hardly believe it to be true. With that said, I think it'll be interesting if she gets arrested while being a... Uh, Columbia University employee. If that ends up being the case, that's going to wake up a lot of college students who are dead asleep. But again, I I find it odd that anyone would even attend. I I think she's the most irrelevant human on the face of the planet. So I don't know. That's my two cents on that. Uh, There was this one too. It, of course, the title of this is misleading because they're trying to paint it toward citizens shooting police officers. But this is from theweek.com, and it says, it's titled this anyway, The Indiana Law That Lets Citizens Shoot Cops. That's not really what this is. Uh, the subtitle says, the Hoosier, the Hoosier State now allows people to use deadly force to keep public servants from illegally entering their homes or cars. Police, of course, are not pleased. So it's public servants. Now, there's a lot of individuals that are public servants who do horrible, horrible things, in particular in the state of Indiana and everywhere. As soon as I read this, I thought to myself, Child Protective Services. If Child Protective Services shows up at your door, they usually show up with a police officer. That person has a gun. If they try to take your child illegally from you or snatch them out of, out of your home with no warrant, no proof, nothing, of any abuse or any wrongdoing taking place, well, you get to defend your family. That's how I interpret this. So, again, if if these individuals show up at your door, apparently now in Indiana, you have the right to defend yourself. I'm I'm all for that. We we should have the right to defend ourselves from government all of the time, anyway. But again, I'm not a lawyer. Um, 
I'll, I'll just read into this a little bit. It says, what exactly does the law say? Now, keep in mind, this is coming from theweek.com. They don't, they don't seem favorable to any of this, but, or sound favorable to any of it. It says it authorizes people to protect themselves or their property by using deadly force in response to, in response to unlawful intrusion by a quote-unquote public servant. The measure is essentially just a public servant-specific amendment to the state's 2006 so-called Castle Doctrine Bill, which allows people to do whatever they have to do to stop someone from illegally entering a home or a car. Indiana is reportedly the first state to specifically allow the use of force against police. The new rule was passed with a nudge from the National Rifle Association, so they say, which has pushed permissive gun laws around the country. And of course, they hate the NRA and whatever else. Again, as soon as I first read this, I thought CPS. This is a child protective services thing. You know, this allows parents and family members to defend themselves against child protective services. And like I said earlier, so be it. That's a, that's a good thing in my opinion. Here's the next one, and I want to dive into this. Uh, this is from Fox News. My apologies. And by the way, side note, haven't they shown their colors over the last week? Didn't they show their colors again, yet again, over the last week? I mean, their show hosts outside of Tucker Carlson were calling us traitors. They were calling us saboteurs. And they were calling the members of Congress who weren't voting for McCarthy saboteurs. That should tell you all you need to know about Fox News. They are not on our side. They push the jabs. They're jabbed themselves. You know, the chickens will come home to roost regarding them, but in due time, I think. This story, however, is titled the following, and I'm going to dive into this one. It's titled, Chicago School's Watchdog Finds Hundreds of Employees Groomed Sexually Assaulted Students. One Chicago school administrator took a student to a play and took her on trips to Las Vegas, Los Angeles, and abroad, the report said. Now, I've written about this very thing specifically more in depth, uh, certainly in my book, Purposeful Deception, where the Chicago public schools engaged in the largest sexual crime that has ever occurred in the history of America, among school districts, I should say, specifically. And it had to do with, again, this very thing. It was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, which is also, again, why this, this very story is major deja vu. It's almost as if it's the exact same story, but there were hundreds and hundreds, upwards of 500 plus school employees that were investigated for engaging in sexual misconduct regarding their own students. Again, th these were teachers, administrators, secretaries, assistant administrators, you name it, teachers, aides, you know, whatever. That was the largest sexual crime that's ever occurred in school history in the United States, to our knowledge. Um, and that was a number of years ago. I want to say, good Lord, 2016 maybe? Uh, could have been even a little earlier than that. And it found that of all of those reported, at least half were actually true. 
I would venture to guess that it was probably more than half in reality, but they had to try to downplay a, a massive number anyway, and they just said, well, half of them turned out to be true, and the other half were just lies. Now, that could be. Either way, let me get into this one specifically. It says the following. Hundreds of Chicago uh, teachers and school officials sexually groomed and assaulted students last school year, according to a report released this week. The Chicago Public School Office of the Inspector General released its annual report Sunday, saying it's substantiated more than 300 misconduct allegations out of more than 600 complaints for the 2021-22 school year. So, this is different, but at the exact same time, this is a massive problem because this is happening constantly within this school district. Again, you've heard me criticize the Chicago Public Schools with regularity on this show because it's easy to do. They are a criminal organization. So it begs the question, how many more laws have to be broken before the entire organization gets shut down? But Sean, what about all those students? Where are they going to go to school? Well, there's lots of places to go to school. There's lots of ways to receive an education. And as you've heard me say here, and Thomas Jefferson said the same thing, not everybody needs to be educated. And not everyone is educatable. You can't teach everybody. Not everybody wants to learn. But there are other options. Certainly options that don't involve things like this. Uh, you know, massive sexual crimes. It continues. It says an OIG investigation concluded one teacher groomed and sexually assaulted a 17-year-old student three times. The teacher was charged with multiple counts of sexual assault. After a November 2022 trial, the teacher was acquitted on all counts, the report said, despite evidence provided by the student and social media records. There you go. Another investigation revealed a former JROTC staff member had sex with a high school girl over the course of a year when she was 16 to 17 years old, the report said. The girl was also given alcohol and marijuana and purchased marijuana for him, the OIG said. Said the pair also exchanged hundreds of text messages and calls. Quote, I'm ready to F right now. I'm not going to be gentle either, unquote. One message read, the report said. When the staff member became aware he might be under investigation, he allegedly threatened to kill the girl and her family. He was arrested and eventually sentenced to time served and four years probation after pleading guilty to sexual assault and criminal sexual abuse. They're getting slaps on the wrist. That's what they're getting here. These are massive crimes, and they're just getting slaps on the wrist, and then right back you go into society. It says one high school teacher allegedly exchanged 4,000 text messages with a female student, including 400 in one day. The teacher said he was in an open marriage and was attracted to other people. Other incidents included a high school gym teacher exposing himself to a female student. One charter school administrator took a high school junior to a Broadway play in downtown Chicago. When he touched her leg during the performance, the report said, after the show, while driving the student home, he slid his hand down inside the front of the student's pants and touched his genitals. Ah, there you go. 
The administrator also took the student on trips to Las Vegas, Los Angeles, London, uh, Ibza, if I'm saying that right, and the Bahamas, the OIG said. The administrator resigned after the OIG recommended he be terminated. Was he arrested? Nope. It says in a statement to Fox News Digital, Mary Fergus, executive director of media relations for the school district, said education officials support the work to investigate all issues of misconduct among our 40,000 team members. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not a team you want to play for. This is not a, <laughs> this is not this is not an environment you want to come from with this on your resume. If you have on your resume that you used to teach at the Chicago Public School System, you should be unhirable. You shouldn't be able to get hired anywhere because that should be a giant red flag. Were you involved in all of these massive sexual crimes that were taking place on a constant basis? Of course not. I wasn't involved. How do we know that? They're just letting these people go. And again, these media relations directors for school districts, give me a break. You've heard me say again, these are the scum of the earth. These are professional liars of the highest order. Here's her quote. She said, quote, As a district, we take seriously our responsibility to serve our families with integrity and to address individuals who breach CPS policies and the public's trust and hold them accountable. CPS will continue to ensure our district policies and procedures support the highest ethical standards to ensure our valued team members act in the best interests of our students. She noted that the district has taken action against those engaged in wrongdoing. You just fired them or you let them resign. A lot of these people weren't even arrested, nor have they done jail time. Slaps on the wrist. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not just happening in the Chicago public school system. This is happening, arguably, in every school district across the nation. Is it 600 staff members in one school district? Of course not. But 600 out of 40,000? That's a large chunk. That's a large percentage of individuals openly engaging in sexual crimes. Lord have mercy. Now here's the next one. And this one is weird too. And Sicily from New Mexico threw this my way. And uh, this has, of course, propaganda written all over it. Not to mention uh, the governor of uh, New Jersey, Phil Murphy, is an abomination. He just looks like a kid toucher. Again, you know, sometimes you can look at these people and they just, they just have a look about them. Um, this comes from Politico, so you know the, you know the bend on this one. But it's titled, New Jersey Becomes First State to Mandate K-12 Students Learn Information Literacy. Now, what does that mean? Here's what it means. It means they want students to not learn propaganda. They want them to learn the leftist bend of propaganda, which means they want to teach them the words like misinformation, disinformation. And then they want students to learn how to use those words to accomplish whatever it is that they want to accomplish that typically has a hard left-wing bend to it. 
I should say this, not even a left-wing bend, just not a truthful bend, a dishonest bend on things. Um, and this right here pretty much lays it out. It says, quote, the Senate version of the bill's lead sponsor, Republican Senator Mike Testa, said the new law will help students, quote, weigh the flood of news, opinion, and social media they are exposed to both online and off, unquote. So my question to this is, who's going to be teaching these classes? What's their political bend going to be? What is it that they're going to be further indoctrinating students into believing or not believing? Um, the only good thing that I can see out of this, although in the end it's not necessarily going to be great, but it's going to create a ton of debate within a classroom setting. You know my take on debate. Debate only occurs when facts aren't being shared. And you have two immovable objects going against one another. One person believes things to be one way when in fact that person is 100% wrong, and the other person believes things to be another way which tend to be truthful. Again, in a debate, people are not going to change their opinions or their minds. They're just going to remain right where they are. And this again, it's almost as if they're preparing for something that's about to happen, that they want to make sure that they get out in front of so that they can squash whatever they want to squash within a classroom setting among students. Uh, I find this remarkably problematic, and I think it's going to create a lot of disruptions within New Jersey schools. Uh, again, here's just the first two paragraphs from this. It says, amid a worrying rise in internet misinformation and political conspiracy theories, that sentence alone should tell you everything you need to know about all of this. It says, New Jersey students are poised to become some of the most informationally literate in the country. Well, that's not true. Government Phil, uh, Governor, government, well, same thing. Governor Phil Mur Murphy on Wednesday signed legislation that will make New Jersey the first state to require that K-12 students learn about how information is produced and spread on the internet. Critical thinking skills the difference between facts and opinions, and the ethics of creating and sharing information both online and in print. Ugh. Again, Phil Murphy is an abomination, and all of this is going to create massive disruption. The bill itself is propaganda. The bill itself is designed to trick people into believing that conspiracies are not real, that you're not allowed to theorize. And oh, by the way, if they actually do implement this within New Jersey K-12 schools, wouldn't it be funny for a student to do an entire class project on the Twitter files? Wouldn't that be quite the project? Because you want to talk about misinformation and disinformation. Yeah. Most of the people who have been communicating on Twitter since Twitter's inception have been talking to people that are not real. They've been talking to fake accounts, bots, if you will. So you can blow up this entire course, and certainly, I should say, the teacher who's going to be teaching this. 
Because again, you have to assume that the teacher who's going to be teaching this is going to be a leftist of the highest order. Or at the very least, again, someone who is on the right and thinks that they are correct about everything. It's going to get ugly. This is going to, this is going to create a lot of disruption within schools, no doubt about it. But again, if more knowledgeable students take control of this and create a disruptive environment on purpose with the truth, I mean, heaven forbid, they start debating the Holocaust. Maybe that opens the door for this. Maybe they can now push back on that giant lie and a thousand other lies like the moon landing and you know, a gazillion other things. I mean, I guess there's multiple angles to this. It could be used for good. But I don't think that's its intent, which again is a typical, I don't know, it's a a typical uh, criminal tactic is that they would implement something like this thinking it's going to go one way when in fact it's just going to end up blowing up in their face. I think the latter is more likely to happen. So yeah, but nice try. I don't think it's going to work out for them. Uh, Speaking of things not working out for people, I want to mention this. Almost every single college and university has a magazine associated with their school. And Miami University, where I went to school, is no different. They have one called the Miamian, the magazine of Miami University. I've received these and and looked at these practically my entire life. Of course, my dad used to work there and, uh, and has retired from there, but... I've been looking through these most of my life, and you know they're all set up generally the exact same. Um, they have a lot of missions and goals that they want to pursue and push within these magazines, and they want to you know advertise their university the best they can. Of course, as you would expect, most of it's left wing garbage. They have a number of different stories in this particular magazine, which I think are uh, slightly alarming. The, the first, which again, a person might just pass over very quickly, although I've brought this story up before, which is why I want to mention it here. Uh, again, this is just the first of two particular stories out of this magazine that I want to mention, but they have a story in here about a woman and a man who were apparently Miami University graduates and were involved in that Jewish community shooting that took place uh, whenever that was. Let me see here. Back on July 4th. Remember that? Remember that fake shooting that took place where they said, well, we, we, you know, we, we found this guy. He was on the rooftops and he was shooting uh, down on people in a parade and he killed all kinds of people and whatever else. I have no proof that that shooting happened, which is why I'm calling it fake. I found it very odd, again, the way that everything was set up and and what was going on. But they have an entire story right in the middle of the magazine so that when you grab the magazine, quite literally, and you open it up, it opens up right to this. Okay, now you've heard me say that the CIA is deeply embedded within universities and even K-12 school districts for a variety of reasons, propaganda being one of them. Why is it that I would grab this magazine and quite literally in the middle of it, like I just said, 
it is stapled right in the middle so that you open up straight to this, and it's titled Finding Kinship in Chaos. We say love and honor to inspire, to encourage, to connect. By Donna Bone. Bowen. A graduate in 1983 and again in 96 with their master's in science and something. Communication, I don't know. So it's, of course, written by a graduate. And then uh, it's about two individuals who were graduates, both of them, ironically enough, of Miami University, uh, who are both Jewish, I might add. And both of them happened to be uh, at that shooting that particular day. Now, what are the odds? I'm being serious here. I mean, what are the odds of that? What are the odds? that two Miami University graduates would be at that event at the exact same time. And then they tell this grandiose story of them running into each other and finding out that they were both Miami University graduate students while the shooting was taking place. I, I gotta tell you, it seems so absurd, it's ridiculous. It's just a, it just feels like a giant propaganda piece. Again, it's only a couple of pages long, but they've got a picture in here of, you know, that, that one restaurant that had that one broken door. And, and that's it. Uh, that's it. It's just, it's just ridiculous. And then, of course, it's them talking about how much they love Miami University and how glad they are to be alive and whatever else. It's, it's absurd. Anyway, th that's the first thing. So again, keep in mind, the CIA exists in many of these institutions, if not them all. Certainly the larger ones, because they have to perpetuate these lies. They have to perpetuate their propaganda the best that they can and just continue to brainwash people. Another avenue in these magazines, which is, again, not specific to the Miamian, but it does exist in almost all of them, is they have a giant section in them where individuals who have written books and graduated from the institution get to promote their own books. Now, if memory serves, I think one of my books made its way in here somewhere along the way uh, a while back. Either way, I was looking through it and I came across this book. And I want to read the description of this because, again, you can find this book on Amazon also. And this is where you really get to find out what a person thinks about everything that's gone on here over the last few years. The book here is titled, which again is co-written by two Miami University grads who are both sisters and they both graduated the same year, so they're probably twins. They are not the lead author of the book. The lead author is Christopher Jensen, medical doctor, and the book is titled After the Mask, A Guide to Caring for Students and Schools. Uh, here we go. First of all, the back of the, the front of the book has a picture of a mask and then the silhouette of a child and then, you know, all these masks and hearts and thumbs ups and whatever else. The back of the book has six cartoon drawings of every race or ethnicity that you could possibly imagine, all wearing masks. And I want to read the description of the book, and then I want to read two comments 
on Amazon about the book and what people who apparently purchased the book thought about the book. This will tell you exactly how brain dead people are, and they have no idea what's going on. Not to mention how easy it is for them to pass the buck and pass the blame and not accept any responsibility whatsoever for their own role in this entire debacle. So here we go. Deep breath. (sighs) Here it is. How do we prepare for life after the mask? Keep in mind, this is what is on the back of the book. It says, After the Mask, a guide to caring for students in schools provides expert insight, honest conversation, and deeper understanding regarding the pediatric mental health crisis that has been accelerating since the early 2000s and exacerbated by the pandemic. There was no pandemic. So that right there, not to mention again, they're not blaming themselves, nor the school environment. It says educators, perhaps more than ever, need definitive guidance to address the social, emotional, and academic complications associated with the mental health concerns among youth today. After the Mask integrates high-level science from public health leaders with the expertise and perspective of educators to provide evidence-based strategies that enhance student well-being without asking teachers to be the healthcare providers or social workers. These are strategies educators want to implement in their classrooms. A 50-page appendix including example lesson plans, program evaluations, and additional resources helps guide focused mental health prevention. Pick up your copy today. This was published June 17th of 2021. It's 346 pages long. Here's the thing before I get into two comments that I want to read below. This has 37 ratings on Amazon and all of them are five-star ratings. All of them. That's a problem. That's a serious problem. These people are not awake. They do not know what's going on. Um, I'll mention this as well. The the individuals who who put this together, I don't know if if the the two co-writers were teacher education students or not, or if they were in the counseling or health professions or whatever it may be. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. What I do know is that you will have a very hard time selling a book to school teachers when you're when you're holding up a giant mirror to school teachers if you hold up a mirror to them and you say look at yourself you're the problem you are the problem what you have done and what this building has done and what your administrators have done is the problem if you were to hold up a book that did that to them they'd never read it they would never read it I told you a long time ago that story about my book, uh, Violence Among Students and School Staff, and how I emailed that book and its description to every single state in the United States among all of their school district, uh, I'm sorry, state-level education officials, in particular the individuals who are in charge of the districts from a state level, from a state perspective. I only received six emails back 
and only one school district in Toledo bought some of my books. And by some, I mean seven. See, they don't want to know that they are the problem. They really don't want to know that. They don't want to believe for a minute that they as educators are responsible for child abuse. And that over the last two plus years, that's all they've done. We're actually coming up to, well, yeah. It's, it's been at least, it's, well, it's been since 2020. So we're coming up on a three-year anniversary of rampant child abuse in the education profession. But they don't want to believe that for one hot second, that they were the problem. And you've heard me say again, they're never going to accept responsibility for anything that they've done. Which leads me, of course, now to the first two Amazon reviews. One of which, I might add, <laughs> is written by a school nurse, which is the first one. And it's disturbing because this nurse is directly responsible, based on their comments here alone, for rampant child abuse, let alone mask wearing, and I'm sure pushing the jabs. And again, this particular comment from this nurse was back on December 5th of 2021. It says the following, quote, As a school nurse, I appreciate this on so many levels. This was easy to read. Dr. Jensen keeps the very heavy content light, and I find myself chuckling at his self-deprecating stories. The setup of this book is brilliant. There is obviously a problem with mental health in children and adolescents that started before the pandemic that anyone working in public schools or pediatrics could have told you. Before I continue, do you see how dismissive they are and how they immediately blame children? Children are mentally ill. This has been going on for a long time. Not me, as a school nurse who pushed masks and jabs on everybody. I'm completely sane, but everybody else is a crazy person, in particular children. And their stupid parents and their broken homes and whatever else. I mean, uh, the, the tone of these people and, and their ability to rationalize and then point fingers is astonishing. It's just astonishing. It continues, unfortunately. It says the following. This book does a great job of proving this to be true with multiple sources of evidence. It then lays out the lacking mental health resources available in the community, as well as the school districts. While all mental health cannot and should not be solved by educators in the school, it is a call to action to allow educators autonomy in the classroom to incorporate strategies to improve resiliency. Ladies and gentlemen, I haven't read the book, and I don't intend to, but it's almost as if, based on this review of the book or this person's opinions, they're trying to rationalize the mask wearing and that maybe it was a mistake, but we need to teach children to be resilient anyway. And we get to abuse them when we want, but we need to make sure that they feel okay about it after the fact. And that we, again, gloss over all of this by 
removing any guilt or fault of our own. And we simply just blame them for either not going along with it or not getting over it. Uh, This is horrible. It continues. One more paragraph, a rather long review. It says, My critique is with the knowledge that this book was released in the summer of 2021. Teachers and administrators are struggling just as much, if not more, in the 2021-22 school year than they did in 20-21. Personally and professionally, it says, the implementation of these actions will only work with amazing administrators that can step back and the leadership of teachers to take the reins and make this happen. In truth, it needs to happen for the sake of our students, unquote. Now, I don't know what suggestions are made in the book. Like I said, I haven't read it. What I do know is this. There is no way that this book is covering the real problem, which is school itself. And everybody who works within. The administrators, government, above them. Etc., etc. There's no way that the book is covering all of that. They can't. Because again, there would be zero reviews for that book if that were the case. It wouldn't be written by a medical doctor, unless again the medical doctor is criticizing everybody who works within the building as being child abusers, which is exactly what they are and have been certainly over the last two plus years. But Again, coming up on three years now. God, time flies in this crazy war, doesn't it? Either way, that's the first review. And that school nurse sounds like a psycho. Um, Here's the next one. From Maryland, and it's a verified purchase on July 12th of 2021, was the uh, review of this. It says, quote, the authors of this book addressed the issues and problems that were encountered by teachers, students, and parents during the unprecedented year in American education. The authors had firsthand experiences of what our education system faced and then used data to support their strategies for solutions and support. If you are not, if you are not, this is a winning sentence right here. It says, quote, If you are not involved in the education of our young people during the past year, then you do not know what challenges teachers, students, and parents faced on a daily basis. Last sentence, it says, This book offers the support needed to carry all involved into the upcoming school year, unquote. And two people found that helpful. That's disgusting. We know exactly what's going on, and individuals who are not in the education profession know exactly what is going on. The entire profession is filled with people who are incapable of saying the word no. The entire profession is filled with individuals who went along with child abuse because they were told to go along with child abuse. The entire profession is filled with people who had no problem gagging children isolating them, scaring them, and doing things to them that in 2019 would have cost them their jobs as school employees. If any superintendent, school board member, right down the line, 
right down into a classroom teacher had suggested any of the above that we have witnessed, read about, learned, seen with our own eyes, and yelled at the top of our lungs about. Back in 2019, they would have all lost their jobs. But not according to this person. According to this person, we all have strategies that we need to follow, and if you're not in the education business, then you don't know what we all had to deal with for those of us who worked in the education business during this unprecedented time. No, we know exactly what you dealt with. You're, you're spineless cowards. You're more afraid of breathing air than you are injecting yourselves with an unknown biological weapon. Got it. We got it. We saw it perfectly. We knew exactly what was happening. You took orders, no matter what they were, and you followed them. What, of course, these people don't understand is, is that copious amounts of excellent educators quit. They permanently walked away from the business. They decided to go wait tables for a living. Maybe they were on their 20th year of being a school teacher, and they had 10 more years to go before they could retire, and they said, I quit. I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. I bet that book doesn't cover that aspect of it either. Because, again, in summary... It's books like this that aren't really holding up a mirror to child abusers and saying, look what you've done. You were to blame for this entire thing, all because none of you asked a question. Why is this happening? Who is doing this to us? Does this even make sense? Never in the history of man have we ever had to do such a ridiculous thing ever, but all of a sudden now we have to do it. It blows me away. The lack of thinking in this entire process is astounding. Now, what's interesting about these reviews is I'll go to the most recent review. Their most recent review was on December 5th of 2021, which essentially means no one's reading this book anymore, certainly not reviewing it on Amazon. That was the last and most recent review, and again, that was the one of the school nurse that I read earlier. So this book is, is as irrelevant as you would expect it to be. Because again, it's not covering the real problem. The real problem is rampant child abuse at the hands of adults who should know better and are contractually obligated to not abuse children, and yet that's all they did over the course of at least two years. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Now, shifting gears here slightly, but equally as disgusting, did anybody hear of the school shooting that apparently took place the other day? I didn't hear about it at all until Jesse James from the Dangerous Info podcast texted me and he goes, Hey man, check this out. He said, I wonder if it even happened. I wonder if it even happened too. But I find it interesting that if it did happen, you've got a student who apparently shot their teacher in the stomach in an elementary school, a six- or seven-year-old student. And, uh, you know, it's not making the rounds on all the mainstream media outlets, and it's not the number one story everywhere. Why would that be? Is it because of the age of the student? Is it because of the race of the student, perhaps? A lot of black students attended this particular school. Could it be because the student was black? Are they going to prosecute the parents? How did, this, how did the student apparently get a hold of a gun? Why not prosecute the parents? Just like the Crumblies. 
The double standard, ladies and gentlemen, in this country is disgusting. And unfortunately, it's not going to go away. It just will not go away. But we have to highlight it as much as humanly possible. Uh, speaking of the Crumblies, by the way, this was back on December 10th from the DetroitNews.com, and it says, Oakland County Prosecutor, case against Crumbly parents stronger than ever. Apparently, the mother, and they're, the, this corrupt prosecutor, I should say, is basing this on footage of the mother who was in the back of a cop car and was making a comment out loud while being recorded and said that she allegedly feared that Ethan would turn the gun on himself after they purchased the gun, that her greatest fear was that he would use it on himself. And the prosecutor is, of course, claiming that that is proof enough of parental negligence in this case, and that's why the parents should be, you know, remain in jail and not have their bond decreased and whatever else. Apparently, this trial is still in limbo to some extent, but I was under the impression that it was supposed to continue here in the month of January. So I'll look into it a little bit deeper and, and we'll see what I can come up with. But uh, like I said, if, if this trial actually takes place, I would be shocked. But if it does take place, I'll certainly cover as much as I can of that particular trial on this show. Because the fact that the parents are being tried for manslaughter or negligent homicide or something, and they had nothing to do with actually pulling the trigger is beyond me. Again, we've, we've been over it at length on this show before, but um, I, would be, I would be shocked if judges didn't just throw this whole thing out. Either way, I can't imagine uh, a, tr a trial jury and them actually convicting the parents. It's preposterous. But who knows? I've been shocked before. Okay. Here's the next thing I want to mention. Um, I'm going to bring this up before I start talking about the jabs because I have a great deal of jab information also, including some audio that I want to play regarding DeMar Hamlin and that entire fiasco. Uh, here's, the, here's the first thing. I've made a number of comments in previous episodes, of course, regarding the Q movement and the Q posts and what that did in galvanizing and has done and is still doing to galvanize numerous individuals worldwide. The, th the thing that the Q movement did, which is why I am very appreciative of it, and I see it for, for what it really is, which of course is not Operation Trust, which is the false um, comparison that gets made regarding the Q movement. Whatever, it's a psyop and it's Operation Trust. And like I, you know, like you've heard me say that the people who criticize it always say that the Q movement was designed to just have everybody sit on their asses and do nothing. The exact opposite happened. So if the opposite happened, how on earth can a person criticize the Q movement for? doing what it did, which again was a, was a positive thing. They go after a couple of phrases, the people who criticize it by saying, well, trust the plan. What plan? There is no plan. Uh, you know, our country's going to hell and blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to play some audio from two individuals who you would think would have a, a smarter perspective on things than, than they do. But it was remarkably important. 
Because again, the brainwashing that took place during the 20th century, you had to deprogram copious amounts of people worldwide in order to wake them up and galvanize them into, of course, what we are seeing today. In fact, as I'm talking to you, the French citizens have taken to the streets of France yet again, and they are marching in numbers. The yellow vests are out again. The Q movement rallied those individuals together and woke those people up to the corruption of their own government. I, I have yet to find a Q post where it said, sit on your ass and do nothing. This show wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the Q movement. Copious amounts of shows wouldn't exist if it, if it wasn't for that and if it wasn't for, again, just learning about the corruption of government and the crimes of government. Again, I had a person reach out to me on, what was it, on Gab, and they said, again, I, you know, I, I may have brought this up previously on, on a past episode, I'm not sure, but their post to me was rather recent, and, it's, and again, it said, everything in the Q movement was a lie. Every single thing was a lie, or something to that extent. And I thought to myself, what fool says such a thing? What, what, what person actually brings that up and actually says that? Because that's completely ridiculous. So I simply messaged them back with the Q post, and you'll know the one I'm talking about because you can't get the image out of your mind, is the one that has to do with Planned Parenthood, and it shows a man touching and holding dead babies all on the floor. You probably remember that image if you know the Q posts that I'm talking about. In fact, you can get on any of those Q boards, whether it be uh, QAnon.pub or Operation Q, whatever you want, and in the search bar, just type in Planned Parenthood, and you'll see the Q posts in the picture that I'm talking about. I messaged them back with that post, and I said, you were saying, and that's it. Did I get a response back? Of course not. Because it doesn't get more real than that. So what is it about that that isn't true? It's 100% true. So here's the problem that I have with this. I don't have a problem people criticizing particular things or me or whatever else. I have a problem with individuals not thinking for themselves first. And thinking clearly about what is clearly the largest information psychological operation, and when you hear the word PSYOP or psychological operation, it's being used now by people the same way that the left uses the term conspiracy theorist, or that liars use the word conspiracy theorist. They'll say, well, it's a PSYOP. It's a PSYOP. And they'll say it in, you know, with, with a bad tone about them. Psychological operations are used for good. Many psychological operations are used for good reasons. They're not all negative. This was a positive psychological operation, and it had to be because it had to wake people up. It had to deprogram people. So here's what I want to play first. In fact, well, yeah, I want to play this first, and then I have some comments that, that were made on my BitChute channel underneath one of my most recent war videos. And, uh, and I want to read those at the conclusion of this. But I want you to hear from two individuals who have no problem criticizing 
the Q movement, and yet they have profited from its existence. One of these individuals, of course, has grifted off of the entire existence of the Q movement and even brought it up themselves standing on a stage in a positive way. Not so now. Now this particular individual apparently wants nothing to do with it and thinks that the people who follow it or read it or pay attention to it are foolish. The person I'm referencing, of course, is General Mike Flynn. The first audio, though, that I want to play is from Stu Peters, because he doesn't mind beating the Q pinata, as he would probably refer to it, as much as humanly possible. But what he also doesn't think about, and he's clearly not thinking, neither is General Flynn, is that they're actually making fun of people when they when they make fun of of the Q movement and and what that is still doing to this day. They're making fun of people for thinking on their own. Now, why would they do that? Just like when Alex Jones makes fun of it. If you pay attention to the Q drops, you're forced to think for yourself, which means you don't need the likes of Alex Jones, Stu Peters, or General Flynn to do the thinking for you. You can make up your own mind. And then you're more likely to turn off their shows and not watch them anymore or pay attention to them anymore, and think for yourself, and maybe read a book, or go outside, or do something else that doesn't involve them. Certainly opening up your wallets to these people. Because they want you attached to them as much as humanly possible. They want you to use their names in the promo codes so that they get their pillow money cut. They want you to buy their products. They want you to spend money and go to these rallies where they stand on stages and and talk to you about what's going on in the country because you can't think about that for yourself. See, that's what the Q movement was really designed to do. It was designed to get people to get away from people like this, even though these people are the very people, again, profiting from it. Here's the first audio I want to play. This was from last week where Stu Peters, instead of keeping his mouth shut, decided to run it and start making fun of Q and then the people that follow Q. And he was doing this with a female guest that he had on at the exact same time. So give this a listen in three, two, one. This segment is going to really trigger QAnon people. It is. Yes. I Um, wanted to say something about that when you're done with your... go, go, Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just, look, I'm sick of the Trump ass lickers, okay? Like Charlie Jerk and the and the Con Inc. people that will do, he will do nothing wrong. He says nothing wrong. He will do mental gymnastics to excuse everything. And the QAnoners who everything that Trump does is a 500D chess move. Look, eventually with chess, there's a checkmate. And it's been years and there's been no checkmate. And what we're doing is it's simply our patriotic and moral duty to question our leaders, all of our leaders. And Trump isn't the second coming. We have to challenge him in the same way that we would challenge McCarthy or any other leaders. Again, what we're doing, we're not trying to be trapped in an abusive relationship where people breadcrumb us. Our partner just gives us a little crumbs and we hope for more and we stay in this relationship. How many black eyes do we need? You know, we, we, we want to be in a relationship that's reciprocal and where a person is fulfilling their promises. And we want to protect you, the American people. And undoubtedly, just by saying this, I'm going to be called a CIA 
deep state plant, and so will you. Controlled get opposition. Saying, I knew it. Yes. I knew he was controlled opposition. Look at those rap pictures from when he was 18 years old and he <laughs> uh, gave the okay sign. How many times has Trump, right. by the way, by the way, uh, how many times has Trump done this when he's talking? Uh, yes. Go, just right. go and Google it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's insane. Uh, or yeah. or there's this one. This was the one that uh, when, I, when I very first got out of bounty hunting into this radio show, Patriotically Correct Radio Show, the photographer came in and, and he's like, do something like you're looking for the truth you know so i do this and then all of a sudden <laughs> i knew it he's the illuminati this is ridiculous yes. this is nonsense how many cue dates have to be given out and pass and go and nothing ever happens before you realize look this may have been an operation at, at first that was set up for good it's clearly been hijacked by the cia or some other bad evildoers who have now converted it into something for bad which has done nothing but pacify and chill patriotism it has inspired us to do absolutely nothing to hold nobody accountable and trump yes. you know what trump is not jesus christ okay the worship of man having any other idols what does it say in the ten commandments what what does it say no you shall worship no other gods there are no other gods i am the truth i am the way i am the light i am the door the only one is me please stop with the worship trump is not jesus christ Okay, and Jesus Christ is the only one that is going to save us. Trump is not riding in on a white horse. We are commanded by God to pick up the sword and fight. That means that we need to be the plan. Final words, Deanna. Exactly. We need to be the plan. And that's the thing. We, you know, the, the QAnon movement has sort of neutered us and we're just waiting for a plan, waiting for a plan, waiting for a plan. We need to be the plan. Yeah. And Trump needs to be challenged just like any other leader. We have to criticize him. And if he's not upholding his promises and our constitutional, uh, con uh, you know, conservative goals that we're intending, then we have to challenge him for that. And it's okay to do that. It's our moral and patriotic obligation. I agree. Unpopular, uh, that opinion will be, uh, but you know what? It's the damn truth and we will not apologize for it there were some decent things in there i'm not i'm not saying everything that they said was wrong but when he goes on his angry rants and he says nothing has happened really nothing has happened it's accomplished nothing it's pacified and neutered us into doing nothing are you neutered do you feel neutered I don't. You see, the, the approach that they're taking is, is such a dismissive one. It's, it's very problematic. They are they're making wide comments that are completely false, which actually exposes them more for not knowing what's really going on. And not to mention, I, I don't think anybody has referred to Trump as Jesus Christ. I, I, I didn't read a single Q proof that said, uh, listen to every single thing that Donald Trump says, he's Jesus Christ. I, I don't, I, I must have missed that Q drop. I don't know, P, I, I don't know anybody that believes that. He is a figurehead and he is a spokesperson. That's what's going on right now. There are other individuals behind him, and that's up for debate too, but it would indicate this entire thing is a military operation. He, of course, is the figurehead explaining a great many things that the military want him to say so that there really isn't a civil war in this country. Because again, that's what would have happened. 
we would have had a real civil war in this country and, and people really would have killed one another. Neighbors would have killed other people. Politicians in towns and cities would have been murdered by their citizens, so on and so forth. It hasn't pacified people, though. It's woken people up. So he's missing the point. And he's doing that, of course, because they want, the two of them, Deanna Lorraine or whatever her name is, they want you to listen to them. Don't, don't pay attention to any of the Q stuff. Just listen to what these two people have to say. That, that's, that's no good. We can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can watch particular segments of particular shows and listen to particular things and then go over here and listen to something else. You know, th there are things that I'll say that not everybody agrees with. That's fine. I, I'm that way with lots of different people. There are particular times I'll watch Stu Peters and, you know, that's an example of, of a segment where I, I don't like what he has to say because I know that he doesn't know what he's talking about. At the exact same time, there are other individuals who go off and, and, and say a great many things that make a lot of sense. And then all of a sudden they're talking about something else and, you know, I'll just turn them off. But my, my point is, is that being that dismissive and then making fun of people for thinking for themselves and looking into things, th that's, that reaches another level of, of ignorance because they're showing their hand. They're showing everybody that they didn't look into it. They didn't think about it. And you even heard him say, it may have been a good thing at the start, but now it's just been taken over by the CIA and now it's a bad thing. That's equally as stupid. That's equally as dismissive of the truth. Here's the next one that I want to play. Here's the next piece of audio, and this is from Mike Flynn. And again, he's making fun of people. This is not, this is not good. This is not a good look for him. Now, he's on a call here with two other guys, one of which I've called out before, which is Clay Clark. The other guy, um, I've seen him before. He has a show called Man in America. His name has slipped my mind, but either way, listen to this, because this is equally as preposterous, if not more preposterous than the Stu Peters clip there. Segment about QAnon, where I can just ask you very, you know, kind of simple questions about it, because I think that there's people that still like they'll, they'll watch an interview with you where you say, look, this is, this is don't fall for it. And they're like, Oh, it's all optics, you know? And of course he's not going to tell us that it's, you know, so I want to try to just create clarity for people. Like, I, know I mean, Seth, is your audience that stupid though? I mean, are, they, are people that stupid? I mean, look at what's happening in the house of representatives today. I mean, this is historic. We have the first time in over a hundred years, we have not been able to choose the Speaker of the House. If there's a goddamn plan that QAnon has, they better get it up and operating because, you know, I mean, I, again, I, I just, I'm not even sure I want to talk about it. I, I don't want to talk about it, actually, because I just think I'm, I'm that irritated by people still believing in this bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd say that I think that a lot of people, they don't, there's, you have, you have. Like, I mean, again, again, Seth, I, I, Seth, I like you. I like you. I like you. And, but I'm going to tell you, if you have, if you have an audience that believes in this stuff and then you have done something with your audience that, that, you know, allows a gullibility to exist that we don't need in this country right now. This country is on the, is on the verge of, of becoming a communist nation or a fascist nation. If, 
Klaus Schwab has his way. Yeah. I mean, there's no plan. I, I don't know what, you know, QAnon, Q, whatever the hell it is. I, it's, it's a damn good, it's a damn good psyop. That's what it is. And it's, and it's been directed against the, the American people and everybody's Q. I mean, everybody's Q if you're, if you're, uh, if you're not on the right side of the, of the left wing. I mean, I, I mean really, I, I, I get irritated talking about it because it's a, it's a waste of my time. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. Um, I'd probably say 95% of the people that follow me are in the exact same boat. Um, and they're like, maybe at one point they thought so, but you know, after the past two years, they're like, there's no way. You know what I mean? So, um, okay. What well, you guys, I, mean, re- I, I just, I just posted something on a, on a, on an interview that I did with, uh, I didn't actually post it. Somebody else posted it on uh, Twitter, which I'm still banned from. And it's, it's getting a lot of, a lot of, uh, of, uh, you know, uh, views, I guess. And it's uh, my, my uh, pitch with uh, Steve Bannon. Actually, no, it was with Roger Stone the other day where we I was talking about Ukraine. The amount of, of and, it's, and the guy that reposted it, his name is Filipowski, Ron Filipowski. He's a dirtball. And I wish I was on uh, Twitter to be able to respond to it, but I'm not. And so all of the, you know, all of the negative, all the people that follow him, and he's got quite a few followers. He, you know, he probably has 300, 400,000. And he's just a negative dirtball lefty, believes in Black Lives Matter, LGBTQ, thinks we should be, you know, thinks we should all be living in Moscow because we should, we should crush Russia. And so all of the, the, the people that follow him are a bunch of, to me, they're, they're probably, that's probably where, where Q comes from. And I read some of the comments and it's like, you know, oh, Flynn's a traitor, Flynn's this, Flynn, you know, you know I mean, I wish I could post my my dismissal from the Department of Justice and, and actually tape it to Ron Filipowski's forehead. Um, and, but a lot of people on there talk about Q and how, you know, Q's plan, oh, the plan's coming together. You know, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, we're in big trouble with people that still believe this crap. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I agree. So we, we won't. I, mean, I hope this is recorded. I actually hope this is live. <laughs> oh yeah. No, that, that was recorded. Yeah. I mean, so if we want, I can, you know, um, I can, oh, there you go. Then yeah. that right there show, is a pretty that, hot intro right there. That'll be the sound bite. That'll be the sound. I don't care what else we talk about. I mean, we can talk sure, about that. Was, that's probably a great intro right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, and then they proceed to laugh, laugh at anybody who paid attention to it. Laugh at anybody who continues to pay attention to it, continues to learn from it. They called you gullible. They called me gullible. Anybody who followed it and follows it and learned from it, gullible. There is no plan. And then more laughing. Mike Flynn grifted off of copious amounts of people for a very long time. Copious amounts of people opened their wallets to Mike Flynn help him with his legal defense and show up to his Clay Clark rallies and listen to him talk and shake his hand and take their pictures as they wear their Q shirts or their Q hats or have him sign a Q book. He was involved. But if you were to look at a line graph of individuals who either stopped paying attention to the movement or got real angry about it, that line graph would drop off regarding any support or any knowledge of it 
the moment that Biden was fake inaugurated. Because he's not the real president of the United States. Go back and watch that fake inauguration one more time. Does any of that look real to you? It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. These people want you to open up your wallets to them as they spit in your face and then make sure that you only listen to them while they are spitting in your face. The hypocrisy among all of them is astounding. Again, a grifter knows their audience very well. They know where to pull the money from, just like a snake oil salesman. They know what town to go to where people will buy the elixir that they think is going to cure them. And again, they're making false comparisons constantly. Flynn is making constant false comparisons. He's saying, well, you know, our country's going communist, and what in the hell did Q have anything to do with that? And, you know, what has it done? The Q movement taught people about communism. That's what it did. One of many things, one of copious amounts of things. It taught people about Satanism. It taught people about criminality within endless organizations. It encouraged people to read, to listen, to ask questions. You cannot diminish that. You can't make fun of that. That's ridiculous. So, these people are showing themselves as to who they really are throughout this entire time. They've got their money now. They got what they wanted. They're still making the rounds. And now they're so high on their own horse that they're willing to criticize the very people who paid them in the first place. They're going to lose an audience. They're going to lose audience members as a result. Because when you tell people to stop thinking, when you actually look at your own audience members and you tell them, don't think anymore, listen to me, when, when you just say that, it's, the most, it's one of the most foolish things that you can do. And then, of course, make fun of them at the exact same time. It's heartless and it's disgusting. I think it's gross. But he's shown himself as to who he really is as a person. Lynn Wood had the guy figured out a long time ago, too, as being a grifter. Same thing with Clay Clark. Lynn Wood had Clay Clark pegged a long time ago, also. Clay Clark will get on a stage, put him with a microphone in his hand, and beg everybody to open up their wallets. It's like you're going to church, but it's not a church, and it's far worse. That's bad enough, but you get what I'm saying. It's terrible. Let me read this now. This comes from my BitChute channel on my last war video. Where again, I post Q-related things um, because it's American-related things in these videos. And I dig it, and people dig it. Every now and again, of course, I'll get a comment, which is fine. But people will say, I love your stuff, just not the Q stuff. And here's one of them. A comment says, the only thing I don't like about your content is the Q shit. Otherwise, good stuff. I replied to the person politely. I said, don't be dismissive of the largest worldwide galvanizing operation in human history. Name another one. I mean, can anybody name another one? I can't. There was this other post too. A quick little thread. A conversation between three people. And I wanted to comment on this particular thread on my show because this person is not alone. And I want to make sure that this person knows that they are not alone. 
This entire thing, again, has had even family members turn against one another, and we know that. It's had family members stop talking to one another. Couples divorce one another over over what they're learning about the real world that we live in. Again, the cream is rising to the top, and people are learning copious amounts of things. And when you're around individuals who no longer want to think and no longer want to learn or ask questions, that, uh, you know, they, they become people that are hard to be around. And life goes on. And in many cases, life goes on without them. But this is the brainwashing, and that's how tough the brainwashing is. So this individual posted the following. They said, quote, I have no one left to share with. Family friends have turned on me for trying to wake them up, calling me a conspiracy theorist, threatening to put me in a home slash institution. I'm only 60, unquote. And then another individual who I referenced in the last episode responded, and they said, quote, it's not, it's not your job to help those who don't want to be helped, although your conscience tells you to keep trying. You love them and know in your heart you tried. That's enough. You did amazingly. You are not alone. Share here on BitChute uh, and other platforms. We are not we are going to need to work together on the way forward. What that will look like and what we want it to turn into. Focus your energy toward others who appreciate you. You have so many to share with that you can't count them all, unquote. And then another person responded to that post, and they said, Hi, I'm 60 also, and I agree with Eternal's post above. You did what was in your heart. You spoke your peace. Let it be. Speak of it no longer. You do have friends here. And then the original poster posted the following, again, in response to those posts. They said, Thank you. Uh, eternal server error and the other individual. Your kindness is very appreciated as my only child, retired army, gave me the FU on 10-23 as I was telling him about Derek Johnson. Uh, we, he won't respond to my phone messages begging him to not let politics come between us and being separated by four states. I can't just show up on his doorstep. I'm red state, he's blue. I was Democrat until I refused to vote for Hillary, and now the last member of my family is done with my insanity. I will not bend. I know too much about the hidden evils coming out of the shadows, unquote. Yeah. See, that's an individual who, of course, is not alone, and that is an individual who is learning. And they are simply related to and around people in their personal lives or were in their personal lives that refuse to just learn anymore. That really has always been the dividing factor between people. It was even the Dalai Lama of all individuals who, who, who mentioned that. And I remember reading that decades ago in his books. So the only thing that is different between individuals is their ability to learn. That's, that's really it. We have the same organs. Our blood flows the same generally. You know, we're created by the same creator. We just have a difference in how much we want to learn about a particular thing. 
And when people continuously learn and others do not, well, you bypass them. That's all. You bypass them. The Q movement taught a great deal of people. You're talking about hundreds of millions of people, copious amounts of things. And then there were other people who just made fun of it and were dismissive about it. And then there were people who were neutral on the whole thing without ever even reading any of it. So those are the different stairs in the staircase. Again, I would never encourage people ever to stop learning and to only listen to me. That's absurd. That's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, you, you don't have to listen to this. You don't have to listen to my show. But this stretches right down into the American K-12 and university setting because that's where the brainwashing is perpetuated and continues. And it's not going away. So in conclusion with that, before I get into this DeMar Hamlin stuff and jab-related things, uh, as this episode continues to ramble on, my apologies, is that you cannot dismiss something of great educational importance that has never happened before in the history of, of time. And it is not Operation Trust. Operation Trust was a Soviet-designed platform and propaganda to get people to believe in the Soviet government and that the government had the best interests of its citizens at heart. Well, we know that that's not true. It's the Soviet government from back in the days of the Soviet Union. We know that that's not true. Stick around your radio because the government will tell you everything is fine. That's not what the Q movement was. It was quite the opposite. The Q movement was government is mind control. Look at what government has been doing this entire time. For anybody to make that comparison between Operation Trust and the Q movement, is abs it's ridiculous. It's, it's like comparing a shovel to a cupcake. They have nothing to do with one another. <laughs> they are not the same. They're not the same. So always open your minds. Keep them open. Always. But for God's sakes, the making fun of people for learning. Making fun of people for learning. Calling them gullible. Q-tards. All these other names. They're showing themselves, ladies and gentlemen. These people are showing themselves. I say keep doing it. Keep showing yourself. Keep showing everybody who you really are. It's not going to work out for you. Um, okay. Before I get into Mar Hamlin, unfortunately, another died suddenly. Uh, Ashari Hughes, 16 years old, dies after Desert Oasis High School flag football game. Young gal, jabbed, and there you have it. Don't know what else to say. Rest in peace. Sorry they were jabbed, but it's continuing to happen. Why anybody is surprised? You know, brainwashing. That, that's, the only, that's the only explanation here. Okay, as far as DeMar Hamlin goes, there's a, a couple of, well, there's one audio clip I want to play. But of course, he's allegedly alive, which is great. 
the UC medical doctors had a press conference, and honest to God, it was like I was watching the Apollo 11 astronauts when, when they were having their press conference after not going to the moon. These guys looked terrified. The entire, that entire thing was completely coordinated. There were no questions about the jabs, no comments about vaccines, quote-unquote, bioweapons, uh, no, no comments about that at all. Apparently, DeMar Hamlin uh, is even talking and talked with the Bills locker room and, and the guys in the Bills locker room over FaceTime or whatever it was for a short amount of time. Apparently, that has happened. Uh, I know that Peter McCullough and others have said, look, he's not going to be able to play football anymore. He's probably not going to be able to go for a jog anymore. But um, his vax status needs to be known to people. Now, we don't need to know it. We know what it is. And the cover-up is, is in full force and in full play. And like you heard me say, uh, they're back to the X's and O's. They're just interested in talking about the X's and O's. There's a particular guy who I'm not fond of by any stretch of the imagination. And I want to play an audio clip of him because you're going to hear how dismissive he is. And I should say how dismissive he is of the entire DeMar Hamlin situation because he's one of these guys that is all about sports. He always has been, used to work for ESPN. He has his own show and has for quite some time. Fancies himself as a bit of a... uh, a Hollywood guy. I talk to celebrities and I talk to sports figures and, you know, my show's the cat's pajamas. The person I'm talking about is Rich Eisen. Now, I heard a funny story a a long time ago about Rich Eisen, and it was from comedian Theo Vaughn. Theo Vaughn once said, I heard him say, another comedian was asking him, is there anybody that you used to work for that you've been around that was just an ass? that just came off as being a total jerk. And he leans back in his chair and he goes, yeah, Rich Eisen. And the, guy, and the person talking to him goes, really? And he says, yeah. He said, Rich Eisen is about as pompous as you could possibly get. Doesn't have any time for anybody else. He only talks about sports. It's the only thing he knows. And, you know, and, and that's it. The way in which Rich Eisen talks about sports and the cadence in his voice and the seriousness of it, honest to God, if sports went away, Rich Eisen would melt. He would just melt right into the floor. He would have nothing else to do. He would have a complete mental breakdown, throw himself off a bridge. The the guy's crazy. He's probably jabbed. Of course, he's not going to mention the jabs on his show because that would require him knowing something about it. But of course, he's not a thinking person either because he's not connecting any dots. I want to play a quick little audio clip of him talking about football. Very recently, just a few days ago, around the DeMar Hamlin thing. And you're going to hear, again, the tone of his voice regarding the game of football now that DeMar Hamlin died on the field and that they had to cancel the game. And that canceling the game now has caused an even bigger problem. And then in the middle, he goes, oh, by the way, you know, we we pray for DeMar Hamlin and whatever else. But the Super Bowl, ladies and gentlemen, it's so important. Again, just listen to the tone of his voice in three, two, one. The Chiefs want the one seed, too. (laughs) Yeah. All right. I mean, so if... If the Bills are 12, 3, and 1, 
and the Chiefs are 13-3-0, then the Chiefs are now in front of the Bills, right? And the Bills have a tiebreak against the Chiefs having beaten them in Kansas City. So you give the Bills a tie, and then all of a sudden, they might be like, well, what gives? And then, of course, the Chiefs want the one seed. So they need to have this thing played out. What if you also say to the Bengals and the Bills, you you're now have a tie and the Chiefs get the one seed, right? And then so what? The Bengals now have to go to Buffalo in a playoff game? Or as Mike Florio on one of his many posts on the subject matter and pro football talks that if the Bales and the Bengals play each other in a playoff game and they don't play this game out regular season, they have it in a neutral site. I, look, there are no easy, good options. And then, of course, having this conversation, you have to place it under the, through the prism with the front loading, which we didn't do, of saying it is truly the most important thing about all of this is that DeMar Hamlin is healthy and lives. But I, I mean, a tie doesn't do any. The, tie, the Ravens would be sitting there going, tie. We, we want a shot to play this team. And even if they beat the Bills, right? Even, it, it, well, if the Bengals beat the Bills, it's a moot point. But if the Bengals don't play the Bills, then the Ravens have a shot here. So if they're going to play each other this weekend and, the, and Baltimore improves to 11 and 6, and. Cincinnati falls to 11 and 5. Do you think Baltimore would say, yeah, just put a tie on there? No. Go, go face the potentially best team in the AFC like you were supposed to and, and finish that thing out. I think the game is going to have to be played eventually. You have to. You can't just like cancel it. It would have been easy to just say, no game at all. You tie or there's no result at all. The tie would, be, would, would have the result. And if the Chiefs weren't involved and the division was already wrapped up. If one, if, but there's so much at stake, really so much at stake. And then the cascading effect of who plays who where for, for playoffs. It's Kurt in South Dakota, you're here on the Rich Eisen Show. What's up, Kurt? Same topic. Go for it. It is, it's not impossible to solve it there there are solutions okay unfortunately none of them are ideal that's right you've been saying yeah uh so i i think just let the nfc playoffs follow the schedule that's already established so we've 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 got some given is that the week 18 games will be played as scheduled and the super bowl as has been scheduled for years will happen but the 10th of february yeah, that, that can't be, you can't move the Super Bowl. There are way too many um, logistical um, issues by moving. You cannot move the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is anchored to the, to the weekend that it is anchored, and week 18 is anchored to the weekend that it is anchored. And then it's just how do you use the weeks in between? If these guys, if Rich Eisen and the other people that are associated with his show put Put that level of emotion into fighting back against a corrupt government, stolen elections, and figuring out who rules over them, 
we would never lose as a country. Now, you're never going to see Rich Eisen on a battlefield. He doesn't look like he's done a sit-up his entire life. The point is, is that no one cares about what Rich Eisen thinks. Again, his priorities are off base and backwards and upside down and in the mud. No one cares about a pig organ flying through the sky. Yes, there are people who care, which is unfortunate these days, but it's it's about where are you putting your emotion and your energy? They're clearly putting it in all the wrong places. They watched a guy die on the field. He died twice. No one's wondering why. They just immediately drank the, the quick shot glass full of that comiocortis, whatever the hell fake condition that is, that didn't happen. J.J. Watt has a heart condition. The same day of DeMar Hamlin, a Jacksonville Jaguar ex-player died. No comment there. How many more dead bodies? have to pile up before they start asking questions. Does Rich Eisen himself have to fall face first into his microphone in order for him or the people around him to wake up? What else has to happen? I think it's disgusting. I think the tone of his voice is disgusting. I mean, uh, the the Chiefs, the Bengals, I mean, mean, my God, what are we going to do? I mean, what are we going to do? Oh my God, are they, are they going to be able to play a football game? What are, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? It's gross. It's just gross. These people disgust me. You know, one of the funny observations I was making with my parents when we were watching some of those bowl games, again, we were gambling just for fun. You know, we don't watch football, but we were watching it. They would show the crowd. And then they would show the people in the crowd, including the people in the bands for, for the schools. And one of the funniest games that took place was the Cheez-It Bowl. There was also the Duke Mayonnaise something bowl, where the actual winning coach had a giant tub of Duke's mayonnaise poured on top of his head. He didn't look happy, by the way, but there was this entire ritual where they actually dumped mayonnaise on this person. Everybody thought it was funny. I thought it was remarkably humiliating. And then you look throughout the crowd during the Cheez-It Bowl, and you have people wearing Cheez-Its on top of their heads as a hat, like an actual giant cracker as a hat. My mom and I were looking at each other going, what do you think, Great Awakening? You think those people are awake? You think those people know what's going on? You think those people, uh, you know, believe that there was a stolen election and there are Satanists in government? They're wearing a cheese it on top of their head, for God's sakes. Some people, ladies and gentlemen, just give themselves away, don't they? They don't even have to say a word. Sometimes all you have to do is just wear a giant cheese it on top of your head and, well, we can figure it out from there. We don't, we, don't need any, we don't need you to say anything. We got it. Ugh, it's disgusting. Okay, speaking one last thing regarding DeMar Hamlin. 
Uh, Sicily also tossed this my way. Ridiculous. Uh, ScientificAmerican.com in their sports opinion section, written by Tracy Canada on January 6th. Here's the headline. Can't make it up. Damar Hamlin's collapse highlights the violence black men experience in football. The subtitle, The Terrifyingly Ordinary Nature of Football's Violence Disproportionately Affects Black Men. Honestly. (laughs) It's nuts. It wasn't a hard hit. The hit had nothing to do with it, number one. Number two, 98% of NFL football players are black. Disproportionately affects black men. The person who wrote this is a triple-jabbed crazy person. I don't know what else to say. They're a crazy person. Here's the next one. This comes from Newspunch.com. Switzerland to provide patients with safe blood transfusions from unvaccinated purebloods. Translation. Jabbed blood is poison. And if you're jabbed, your blood is poison, which means you can't receive jabbed blood ever. Hmm. Now, I'm pretty good friends with a guy who said that at a school board speech well over a year ago, about a year and a half ago, if memory serves. He's a nice guy, but he said that at a school board speech. Interesting. Weird. Weird. Chickens, I can hear them, and they're coming home to roost. Here's another one. Rarefoundation.com, major victory, child will not receive COVID vaccine. Father wins legal case against ex, against lawyer ex-wife. You see, this right here too, ladies and gentlemen, is something you should share with people who are dead asleep. You just poke them and you say, you do know that family members are suing one another to make sure that their children do not receive these shots in court, that that's an actual thing that's happening, to make sure that they don't get it because if their child gets it, their child will die. Share that with Rich Eisen. See what he thinks. Send that one his way. Hey, Rich, this is a thing. This is happening. Here's the next one. This comes from the UK, the Office of National Statistics. It says deaths registered weekly in England and Wales, provisional, week ending 23rd of December 2022. I'm just going to read through the main points here. Rather long, but I'm just going to hit the main points right at the beginning. It says, number one, in the week ending the 23rd of December 2022, week 51, 14,530 deaths were registered in England and Wales. 429 of these deaths mentioned novel coronavirus, quote-unquote, accounting for 3% of all deaths. They were jabbed, I'm certain. It then says this is an increase in all deaths compared with the week ending 16 of December 2022, which was week 50. When the number of all cause deaths registered was 12,389, COVID 19 accounted for 390 of these deaths, which is 3.1%. Were they jabbed? It says of the 
249 deaths involving COVID-19 in week 51, 71.8%, or 308 deaths, had this recorded as the underlying cause of death, which was a greater proportion of compared when compared with week 50. The number of deaths was above the five-year average in private homes, 37.5% above 1,120 excess deaths. They died in hospitals, which was an 18.8% increase. Care homes, a 10.5% increase and other settings a 7% increase. In week 51 in England and Wales, deaths due to influenza and pneumonia have increased in recent weeks because of AIDS. That was my little uh, addition there. To 829 deaths in the weeks ending the 23rd of December and increases of 329 deaths compared to the week ending on the 9th of December, which is 500 deaths. Because of the bank holidays, data for Scotland are not available, so we cannot provide a Scotland or UK figure for week 51. These data will be updated in the next publication released in January, on January 10th. So there's that. I'm going to conclude with this. There's a very interesting article here, which I'm going to link in the description below, written back on September 22nd of 2022. This comes from the website propagandainfocus.com. It's titled, The COVID-19 Concoction, A Recipe for Successful Psychological Operations. It's very interesting and very well done, and most of which, of course, I have brought up on this show on numerous occasions over the last couple of years, but I want to read the abstract right at the beginning. It says the following, quote, When viewed as a war story, The COVID-19 narrative framed in corporate media urges citizens to be on a constant war footing, quote-unquote, and yet reveals symptoms of a much deeper and more widespread pathology whose roots can be clearly identified in the context of the emergence of corporate personhood. Contemporary life itself reveals the rise of a new technocratic corporate order and the ways in which its managers plan to govern the new medicalized global society through the following ways here, A through I. It says A, ongoing events of shock and awe. B, the identification of official enemies, human, non-human, and conceptual. C, the sustained imposition of threat perception and incitement of fear. D. The use of mantras and smear campaigns against dissident views. E. The fascist enforcement of a rigid official reality. F. The incubation of intergroup thinking, us versus them. G. The imposition of confusion and uncertainty. H. The repetition of key phrases and terms and I, the offer of salvation or associated incentives by the state. This article analyzes the leading narrative as a concoction of the technocratic mind and offers a recipe for readers to follow in their efforts to be more aware of the manipulations unfolding everywhere in the public discourse. Unquote. 
they reference the ash experiment, conformity experiment. They, they reference a number of different operations that have taken place. Uh, a number of different propaganda pieces, how the mind handles all of that. It's, it's pretty well done. So I will link that in the description below if you're interested in taking a look at that. Uh, thank you for listening. Lots of information in this one. One of my longer episodes, my apologies for the length if you didn't like it. One of the subjects, again, I think that we have to keep an eye on here going forward too is the, because again, we can, we can chew gum and walk at the same time, is the digital currency stuff. This is coming more and more to the forefront. Yes, it's always been discussed, but it's, it's rolling out big time in Australia right now, the UK as well. It's only a matter of time before banks here in America maybe uh, make everything digital. That bill paying won't be done with checks anymore and that uh, the banks basically aren't going to have a choice. Maybe they'll stop issuing checks as banks. Maybe that's the first step. Who's, who's to know? But these are things that we've got to pay attention to moving forward here because the digital currency is ultimately going to be the enslavement of everyone from a monetary standpoint, and we cannot comply with this. We just can't comply. Again, if that means talking to bank managers and telling them don't ever go along with this, not that they're going to have a choice because they're going to want to keep their jobs like the good little slaves they are, but you get what I'm saying. It's going to be interesting watching this uh, unfold if it does, in fact, unfold. But I've even heard the major bankers say that they don't want to do that in the United States, that they're not interested in that because it would be the collapse of America as we know it and create a rather unsafe environment. And they would be right. You talk about a civil war, keep people from accessing their own money or even shutting down their bank accounts, which has already happened with copious amounts of people because they say the wrong thing. Then it's game on. And that's not going to be pretty. Okay. I'll catch you on Wednesday, everybody. Take care again. Thank you for listening. I'll see you then. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.